following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Stank! Bang Bang, what is up you guys? Welcome to episode 78 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrump. This is Stank. And this is the official podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees. We come to you every Monday with a brand new episode. If you already aren't, make sure you're following us over on social media. We're at PWTCast on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, Dave, how how's it going, my bud? It's been a long week. Like I, I've, you've not. I don't think you really were in the shop at all this week, aside from when we recorded this interview. But uh, how have you been? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. It's uh, it did feel like a long week. I I don't know why, but you know, I guess. Uh, well, we had people in and out of the shop. Um, I, I was worried that I might have had COVID, but I took a test. I'm fine. So um, maybe that's what it was. I, I was just feeling a little anxious this week. Yeah, you know, I've found before in the past, like when I've taken COVID tests, that like the day or two in between you like taking the results and then just like waiting for them. Yeah. Oh, it always feels like seven weeks of just you staring at your phone or email waiting or like if you get the phone call, you know, just waiting yeah. for it. Um, but yeah, no, it takes, you're like, what are they finding? Exactly. Right. And you're just like, no, this is it. I'm convinced. Like, especially like, I know the, the last time, uh, cause, uh, my dad and my brother had COVID. So my sister and I both went to go get COVID tests and we both took them at the same time. We both got, uh, or she got like her test results a day earlier than mine. And I was just like, why? Oh my God. I have it. I'm like, I know I have it. Oh, this is the worst. Like in my head, I'm already just like, you know, the wor- worst case scenario. And then just the next day, they're like, no, you're good. Well, I'll tell you. So I went and I did uh, the rapid test at like Walgreens. Uh huh. So set up an appointment. Like online, they ask you like questions like, have you been in contact with someone? Are you feeling symptoms? And so, like, I just wanted to test one, just take one just to make sure. So I go up. And then, you know, they're behind a window in the drive-thru, and then they they send out the test. And I don't know why, but in my head I was like, these guys are going to be so impressed with how far I get this Q-tip up my nose. Watch. <laughs> I stick it, like, as far back as I could, and I like kind of look at the lady like, I got this, don't worry. She's like, it's not far enough. I was like, what? And she's like, push it in farther. And, like, I was like, I'm literally hitting material back here what the and so also while i was sitting there i was like half paranoid that uh i'd pull it out and there'd be like boogers on it Uh (laughs) i pull it out and it's like covered in blood so i don't know if i hit something and ruptured something and i was like this is so gross and i put it in there but they said uh i'm fresh and clean i'm good so no worries there it's good to hear that too you know um yeah, I was worried again. Like I, like I mentioned, I you know I took one. I came back clean as well, and uh, it's because I, I was more so like worried. You know, the obvious like oh no, COVID reasons, but more so specifically was because uh, on Saturday uh, I went to go meet some Power Rangers, and I was worried that I might not be able to. Um, for those of you who've been listening in the past few weeks, I've I've been on a Power Rangers kick myself. I'm just about wrapping up with the Shattered Grid, which is uh fantastic fantastic power rangers comic book it's way it's way better than it should be for what is a power rangers comic book um 
there's a place over here in the city called Alley Cat Comics. They were hosting a meet and greet with uh, Justin Nemo, who played the uh, Silver in Space Ranger, and uh, my best friend Christopher Christopher Kamen Lee, who played the Red in Space Ranger. And uh, yeah, I was just like, if I get COVID, I can't, you know, I can't go into work. I can't do this. I can't do that. But more importantly, I won't be able to go meet like my childhood heroes. Uh, and th- you know, thankfully, I was good as able to meet them fantastic people they were so cool like i've uh i don't know if i've talked about it on here i've definitely talked about it in a lot of other places um there was another power ranger that was like my hero growing up that i had a very unpleasant experience with and that was like you know it it was a bummer It, it was um but every other power ranger i've i've met since then has just been the coolest like super nice to not just like me but all their fans like that that is always an awesome thing when uh you meet these people and they're the nicest people they're they're so cool and that's how it was with you know with justin nemo and christopher came in lee um just awesome like uh very and then like well, we took our picture and they were like do you want to hold our helmets and i was like uh i was like yes i can um and so, yeah, just a very pleasant experience with that. Um, and, you know, again, kind of speak with the uh, and sticking with the Power Ranger motif uh, that, again, has just been very prevalent here at the PWT cast and will be more so in the upcoming weeks. Stay tuned. Uh, a friend of the show, former guest of the show, Brody King, earlier in the week recommended something to me. He said, hey, you should check this out. It's called Psycho Gorman. It's a uh, it's like if trauma if the people over at trauma made a power rangers movie I'm like, all right I'll, I'll check it out and uh i think i was like on twitter or something and i saw like the trailer pop up for it might have even been on youtube it popped up and i watched this thing and i was just like holy shit i need to go home like i i was leaving i was leaving the shop i was like i, I know what i'm gonna do i i reheated my food and i sat down to watch this movie it is so good um I always have such a hard time delving into spoilers without getting uh, or diving into movie explanations without getting into spoilers. Uh, this movie is essentially these two kids, a brother and sister. Uh, they find an old ancient alien uh, buried deep in their yard. And uh, it's this ancient evil that uh, all these other planetary alliances like left on Earth to be never found again of course these kids find it they have their power source the the guy's power source which controls him and he is just like i'm gonna fucking kill you all i'm gonna you know litter the land with the blood of your family but it's these two like sweet kids and they're just like okay cool uh come play basketball with us and stuff like that it's it is cheesy it is a little campy but it's so good like it's again just an hour and a half of fun like I don't remember the last time I just I was able to sit down and just like smile the whole time from ear to ear. Probably like when I watched Attack the Block, um, yeah. you know. But th- this movie is just it's so good. Like I am I implore anyone listening to this. I, I think I rented it for like five bucks uh, on Vudu, um, and it's probably the same everywhere else. It's so good. Um, like again, it's like an hour and a half. It's just it's a really fun movie. You know, what's funny is you, you mentioned it's like if Troma did uh, Power Rangers, they both kind of have that same almost do-it-yourself energy. Like if if you watch any of the like Super Sentai or Power Rangers stuff and you, they got like the Monster of the Week stuff, 
it's that same like style. So yeah, like Troma doing a Power Rangers movie seems very uh, apropos. And that's very much what the, like what this feels like. It feels like an episode of Power Rangers where uh, they make friends with the villain and uh, you know just have fun. Like at one at one point, you saying uh, what was that? Is it very adult oriented? Uh, yeah, adults will enjoy it. You know, like if you like, honest, like, like if you showed this, if you showed this to Peyton, um, you know, your teenage daughter, she would, I, I very much feel she would enjoy this. Like, you know, right. there, there's stuff in there for kids. There's stuff in there for adults. Like there's like, there's like a random eighties montage in there where they're trying to dress up psycho Gorman or PG for short. You'll get that. If you watch the movie, uh, they try to like, they're dressing them up in like an eighties montage, um there's like a part again where they're just like taking them out and about on like in the town and some people are reacting some people aren't again this is this like six foot seven foot monster like straight up just a monster it looks like one of those orcs from uh lord of the rings um at one point he's just dressed up like sam neil from jurassic park uh they don't ever explain why they don't ever address it um but he's just dressed like Sam Neill from Jurassic Park, like down to the T. And just very, very fun movie. Again, like if you guys have an hour and a half to kill, Psycho Gorman, um, it'll probably be all I talk about for, um, you know, <laughs> for the foreseeable future. But very awesome. Very, I would very much recommend that you guys go watch it. Um, Dave, did you watch uh, episode three of WandaVision? It was good. Yeah, so it's and there seems there seems to be a a, a thing online. I, I I caught some heat, brother, um, and it wasn't because I said that uh, wrestlers used to be men. Um, <laughs> it's because I was uh, voicing my displeasure with Wandavision. Don't get me wrong; this last episode, it, it was good. It was I liked it. I enjoyed it way more than I did the first two episodes. And you know, you definitely got more uh, more oomph at the end. Uh, I think my my biggest displeasure with this show, and I, I've talked you know at length with you about it, is uh it's too short. Yeah. If you and people like people keep trying to compare it to uh, Mando for some reason, uh, Mandalorian had like forty five minute episodes at minimum, and there was like for the most part things happened, you know. Like I, I I very vividly remember there being like one episode where I was or like an episode or two that I kind of felt were like filler episodes and I complained about. But for the most part, like the first episode ends with the reveal of baby Yoda. The first right. episode of WandaVision. What like what you see uh, either, you know, someone that's either from uh, sword or aim watching, you know, them on a TV monitor. Yeah. Like, it's just my, and again, my grab is like, listen, and I'm going to watch it. But if I was someone who came into the show blank, I know, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, these Marvel movies, I, I want to get into them. I would not want to come back after the first two episodes, maybe even the, the third episode, because they're not explaining anything. Like, there's nine episodes, you're already a third of the way through, and you still don't know anything that's going on. Uh, if that was the case, they should have just dropped them all at once. Or made them longer, you know, like uh, the Netflix shows. 
those were all like 45 minutes to an hour and i don't know i mean listen it might just be old man birdo on you know uh yelling at the trees but i'm i'm not enjoying the way they're rolling the show out like i'm almost just dis i'm i'm disinterested in the show now like i i will watch it but more so because i feel like it's like i have to you know just to like keep up with it and again the the way this last episode ended it was like yes more of that give me more like explain what's going on the whole you know tongue-in-cheek oh we're we're parodying these old tv shows it's fun it's cute it's adorable go for it i i think it's i think it's brave but give me more substance i i need to know what's going on especially when you're a third of the way through and there's still do you know what's going on like i don't you know well i mean yes yes and no but like a third of the way through Mando, you didn't know what the end game of the show. You know what I mean? It's just I, I have enough faith, I think, in in front of the show, Kevin F. That uh, I think they're doing a slow burn, and I I get it. That's kind of like the general complaint everyone had, especially with the first two episodes. Was that you know the fifties and sixties were too similar in tone, and they were both black and white. Um, but I do think that once the secrets start bearing out a little bit more, um, we're going to see less of the sitcom and more of what's actually happening. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I would call it like having maybe a nine course meal where like your first two or three courses, you're going to have like a light salad and maybe a cup of soup. And then, you know, we're all like, let's get to the steak. Let's get to the steak. Come on. What the hell? And uh, I think they're slowly, you know, doing that. And and that's fine. Like, my wife has seen most of the Marvel movies with me, hasn't paid attention to them maybe as closely as, you know, you or I would have. So she's kind of a little bit in the dark about Wanda and Vision's relationship so she's watching it with me and at first she said she didn't want to watch it um but her as a casual she's like i kind of don't understand what's going on yet but she's watching it with me and like the third episode definitely kind of took it up a notch and uh i don't know i think by the time we start getting into um seeing them have the baby for like a full episode and then there's little things that they keep dropping and then you know it's getting a little more and more sinister like you know, spoiler alert, but Vision kind of starts figuring out something's wrong here. And he sits down with Wanda and says, something's not right. And then she reverses him and like rewinds him and resets him. So they're, they're dropping little, little nuggets throughout. And I think they're going to speed it up the further we get in through the episode uh, list. So I don't know. I, I've liked all three episodes. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, there was an interesting theory that I saw going around because for for those unaware, um, and again we are diving delving a little bit into spoiler territory, especially if you haven't seen uh, this week's episode. Um, but at the end of this episode, uh, Geraldine, um, who's Monica Rambeau, um, you know yep. she, she's playing the character of Monica Rambeau. That's that's not the actress's name. I, I I forgive me. I don't know her name, um, but she she mentioned she's uh, Wanda says you know oh, I'm a twin. I had a brother named Pietro, and she's like uh, Monica Rambeau goes oh he was killed by Ultron wasn't he? 
And then that's when things start going topsy-turvy. Um, there's been talks of quick of them bringing Quicksilver back for the longest time. Um, I saw, I've and I've, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played him, uh, in you know in in the movies in Age of Ultron, he's vehemently denied. He's like, I'm not in it. I'm sorry. Like I'm just you know. He's like, I'm I'm not being coy. Like I'm just I'm not in it. I'm I'm not reprising the role. Um, and the one theory that I saw going around is uh, Evan Peters. He he is in this show. He was cast in the show. He is part of this show. People have been theorizing that he's Mephisto. Um, because they're like, well, there's no way they would cast him as Quicksilver because, you know, he famously played Quicksilver in the right. uh, Fox movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also really great in American Horror Story. But, he, he, you know, he played Quicksilver, and the next set of uh, sitcoms that we're getting to is going to be in the 80s. Well, in the 80s, in some sitcoms, there was the trope of uh, replacing a cast member. I mean, it's not just an 80s trope. They've done it in several eras right. of TV shows. But they've just replaced the cast member without anyone ever acknowledging it. You know? Um, and so they were saying that maybe Wanda does that. Maybe she brings back Pietro, except it's not her Pietro. It's, you know, th- it's Evan Peters. It's hit, you know, from the Fox universe because, as we know, there's going to be a lot of fuckery with the multiverse going on. And they're like, well, it would kind of be a fun way for Wanda to, you know, start delving into that by bringing in Quicksilver, bringing in her brother. But it's not really her brother. You know, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, which I'd be for. You know, like, I, I love Evan Peters. And, um, like, if they just brought him into... Because there, there is the, uh, the overlying... Are they going to just introduce their own version of mutants and the X-Men, or are they just going right. to bring in this other universe? Um, which, I don't know. Well, also, like, you know, when they were, when Wanda and Pietro were introduced, you know, this was before the whole big deal happened, and, uh, you know, Marvel coyly called them uh, miracles instead of mutants. Mm-hmm. Which was their way of kind of like having their cake and eating it too, without getting in too much trouble. So, I uh, I don't know that that would be kind of interesting. I, I hadn't heard that theory. I, there's actually so many weird theories going on about the show, um, which I think is a good thing. People are talking about it. I mean, the, the showrunners themselves were like, "Yep, some of those are true, some of those aren't." Um, I I think. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see which ones do play out and which ones are true. Um, but I mean, again, listen, I, I'm just now, right now, I'm I'm old cranky. You know, I'm old cranky Birdo. I mean, if these next few episodes just give us more, eh, my yeah. tone will likely change, especially because I've got a pretty good idea of where they're going with things. Um, right. So, yeah. Well, here's the too. I don't know if you noticed, but like. You know, they've been ramping up the little sinister bits of it. You know, after Monica Rambeau brings up Pietro, she kind of, you can see Wanda kind of snapping out of it and saying, what did you just say? Right? Mm-hmm. And then Vision comes back and says, oh, where is she? And she goes, oh, she had to leave. But she had like, I don't want to say it was an evil look, but it was almost like an evil look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it was very like dismissive. Or not dismissive. Yeah, I guess almost dismissive. 
But it was very much, I'm lying to you. I did something bad, and I'm telling you I did something not so bad. So, you know, the, the radio after who's doing this to you, um, I tend to think maybe she's more in control of this than we think. And then some people have theorized that she's the villain of the Doctor Strange movie. You know, by th- the end of this I, show. I think that has been said somewhere, that, like, that that she so, will that she will be the villain for the next Doctor Strange. I mean that's kind of crazy. And then other people are saying that she's almost like the living embodiment of like the Infinity Gauntlet because she's exhibited some different powers of a couple of the different stones. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. And and as we all know, you know, we loved Endgame. She was about to wreck Thanos, and he got scared. So oh yeah, uh, she, she was she was literally going to destroy him. Until you know he the famous like rain fire and then you know just, just do it just do well, it and she doesn't even know how powerful she is too because like in the show you know she made butterflies appear because she was feeling butterflies and she's like oh I didn't even know I could do that so she doesn't even know like her upper upper level you know power limits so I, I think we're gonna start seeing that towards the end and like some of the trailers showed some pretty powerful stuff happening so. I think, you know, we're going to be in good for a good ride. Look, looking forward to what she has to bring. Um, yeah. Another looking forward to what she has to bring is a friend of the show. Uh, the former Elena Black, now Cora Jade, uh, showed up in WWE. She's a, she's an NXT superstar. Um, super proud of her. Uh, you know, we, we did an episode with her uh, a few weeks back. And mm-hmm. you could... I believe she talked about Cora Jade being another option for a name there, but um, you, she mentioned like how you could tell the passion that she had that she has for wrestling. You know, aside from starting training, like I don't know, she was like what fifteen, sixteen, maybe that she that she you know started training and stuff. Like very awesome. It's very awesome to see whenever one of our friends uh, gets closer to accomplishing their dreams and their goals. Because again, this is someone who's worked hard. She's worked her ass off. We see her at the school all the time. Um, I mean, I don't think we'll see her at this school all the time now. Um, But very, very happy for her. Very happy for her friend. Um, I woke up, I think it was like Tuesday, maybe. Yeah, it was like Tuesday, maybe Wednesday uh, to the news that she you know, she had joined WWE, and I think that's awesome. I'm I'm very happy for her. Uh, if you haven't listened to it already, go back and check out that episode. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, the one we did with the the then Elena Black, now Cora Jade. Um, but yeah, Dave, when I came on, when I came in on Thursday, uh, I saw Nick, you know, marvelous Matt Nicks, and he just looked like the proudest papa. <laughs> so, uh, congratulations to her. And I hey. That's a good come up for freelance too. You're, you're starting to see some of some of their talent show up on TV. That's pretty cool. Hey, next next will be that uh, uh, that Trevor Outlaw kid. You know, love me some Trevor Outlaw. Um, but Dave, uh, this week's interview uh, it was pretty fun. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I, I was a little bit nervous going into it to the point where I was just like, Dave, I was like, you might have to, I was like, you might have to uh, take the reins on this one. Um, I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, I don't know how much, uh, I'll have to say because, uh, you're just, you were so much more of a Sam Roberts fan that, you know, I, I was like, okay, you'll, you'll be able to, you know, um, kind of 
carry me when I when I don't have you know the most to say because I admittedly I, I've listened to his podcast I've watched a few episodes of his YouTube channel but like you've been you've been a fan of his from the beginning yeah he it's interesting too like we're, we're big big believers in working hard and then really if if you have a goal in mind set it and don't stop pursuing it and that's what this guy did I mean he started it as an unpaid intern took every opportunity that was given to him and ran with it. And now, you know, we see him on TV. He's got a great show on Sirius XM. And uh, it's just a real testament of focus on your goals, focus on what you love, and good things will happen as long as you, you know, you don't stray off your course and, and you're genuine about it. And, you know, Sam Roberts kind of personifies that. Yeah, and it was a really fun episode too because – um some people might just see him as like, oh, the wrestling guy, but there's so much more to him. You know, we kind of we literally yeah. bounce all over the place, uh, which tends to be like uh, our favorite kind of interviews. And yeah, we, you know, we, we get into it, like especially at the end, like we kind of just scratch the surface as far as stuff there was to talk about. Um, you know, if you're a fan of Scrump and Stinks Movie Corner, there will definitely be a, a ton of that in there for you. Um, and then a lot of, like, interesting wrestling stories as well. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode with Sam Roberts. Dave, a few years back, uh, it was a very strange and random occurrence of how I wound up attending NXT TakeOver Dallas, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the one with Sami Zayn and Nakamura. Uh, earlier in the day was not going. And then about midway through, uh, everyone started canceling and they were like, well, we have these tickets and myself and Matt Nix we were like, all right, well, we'll gladly take them. Cause they were like third row, like right on the camera side. And plus Sammy Zane versus Nakamura. Yeah. It's like, can't miss it. So we get the tickets and then Kevin Gill of, uh, he does a lot of stuff with like GCW. Mm-hmm. He somehow wound up taking the third ticket. I, I think Marty DeRosa had something to do with that but he comes with us. And so we go and we take our seats. And then wouldn't you know, I look over like a few seats over and I was like, is, is that Sam Roberts? And I was like, no, nah, I don't think that is. And then maybe like a match or two into the show, Kevin Gill, he, you know, nudges me. I'm like, what's up? He goes, that's, that's, that's Sam Roberts over there. I was like, oh, like, wow, it is. And uh, since then he's come to be on the other side as far as with WWE shows or he does a lot of stuff with them. And uh, that's always pretty cool, you know, seeing, like, fans of wrestling, like... Get start, involved. Get yep. involved, yeah. Uh, and, well, again, for for those of you uh, unaware now, as if you couldn't tell from the title, uh, today's guest is the co-host of the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts on Faction Talk on Sirius XM. He's the host of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network. He has a, <laughs> a really great YouTube series that Dave actually introduced me to called Annoying Eater. Uh, he's uh, known affectionately as Sammy Brand Muffins. He goes by the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. What's the haps? Hey, what's going on, man? That's such. First of all, that was an excellent intro. <laughs> um, and second of all, that's such like a. There's a couple of really funny observations about that show specifically because I mean, I remember it. I love it. And number one, it's still like to this day, but especially back then, it's so weird the idea of like anybody going. That's Sam Roberts over there. Because, like, I would have been like, oh, that's Kevin Gill. I know that guy. Like, like I know yeah. him from the internet. Like, I know who that is. Um, but also, that show was so funny because 
that we, you know, I mean, you guys know, obviously how, uh, exhausting WrestleMania weekend can be. And sometimes yeah. you get to the shows and it's like, that's when you finally get to decompress when you just get to sit down and watch the show and enjoy it. And I was just in this weird, uh, space where I was just exhausted from whatever we had been doing and just wanted to enjoy it. And so I really, like I sat there, like I was at the Tokyo dome and I didn't even realize I was doing it. Like I was completely, like I was very non outwardly emotive watching the show. Like I was just kind of taking it in and allowing it to be taken in. But like when, when Nakamura came out and especially the Nakamura Sami Zayn match, there are these shots where you can see me on camera. And like, I got all these tweets from people that are like, what's your problem? Like, why are you not cheering? Like, what do you think you're better than this? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I didn't know that anybody was looking at me. I was, I was just trying to watch the show. Like I was, I was really, really enjoying it, but I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, I had a resting, you know what, face as I was <laughs> as I was watching this match that I loved. See, it's funny that you mentioned that because myself, I went and like I'm a huge Nakamura fan, and maybe a year a year before that, before he was even close to signing with WWE, um, my hair had grown like probably about the longest it'd been, and it was right around the time I actually started at Pro Wrestling Tees, and I'm just like, I think I want to grow out my hair. I was like for the sole purpose of I want to cosplay as Shinsuke Nakamura. So by then it got into like that length <laughs> and I, I, you know, I had the red leather vest and it was the same thing because we were on camera side. So like I was just getting texts, but with me, it wasn't, why do you look like that? It like a negative way. It was like, why do you look like that? And there would just be occasional <laughs> shots of me, like literally with my jaw, like open, um, like famously, uh, John Pollock and Wei Ting of post wrestling, they did a review of the show and uh, about halfway through, Wei Ting's just like, yeah, did you notice it was in the crowd dressed as Nakamura? And they're like, it, it was it was Berto, it was Scrump. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I was like, I, I just completely forgotten because there was a lot of just friends like screenshotting it. And <laughs> like, there's one specific shot that I would always like meme myself where uh, Nakamura has Sammy in like uh, some sort of like arm bar. And I'm literally standing up while everyone is sitting down. I'm the only person still standing up from whatever sequence happened before. And my jaw is just a gape. And I was like, find someone who looks at uh, you the way I look at, like, uh, Sami Zayn versus Nakamura. Um, well, and, you know, it's funny. Both uh, Berto and I had, like, a similar experience, but, like, the opposite. So, like, at Double or Nothing, we knew John Moxley was coming down. Like, some, a very few of us knew because we had to release the shirt, like, right when he came out. Oh yeah, I had to pretend like I didn't know, and then he literally jumps next to me, and I look like an idiot because I'm trying to have like a surprise face, like "Whoa, <laughs> look at the surprise!" And it's <laughs> the dumbest look. <laughs> Kayfabing everyone. Yeah, just <laughs> that yeah, that'll always be like kind of like the well, the fun parts of like when you do get to be at shows and you sit close enough, like friends sending you like pictures mm -hmm. like that specifically because i sometimes and it is weird i don't know if, if it's happened to you at all like if you're close enough where they put the camera like right in your face just waiting for you to react and that it's just always so awkward or you're like okay i'm like i guess i'm going to just do an exaggerated like yeah. oh my god over like an irish whip or something yeah my i mean my favorite thing to watch on tv now especially i feel like it all changed after 30 after uh surprised undertaker fan everybody wanted to be surprised undertaker fan mm -hmm. and my favorite thing in the world is watching when they do the close-up of the reactions and the fans react and then but then you watch the eye contact shift real quick so he looks at the camera to see if it's on then he looks back at the ring and it's like dude what are you doing <laughs> yeah like Act natural yeah. exactly yeah. yeah and 
I like, I get it. You know, I I think like us growing up wrestling fans, we would love to be like in those um like video packages that they do, you know, from yeah. you know, so that every time they show, you know, that Undertaker moment, you're the one fan they they go to. But yeah, it is funny. Like I'll sometimes notice that where there is like the oh my god, and then the slight like vibe, yeah, just turns right over and looks. <laughs> you catching all this good stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, like it's it's funny you mention that because like I was I was familiar with you again just by to me it's always like interesting when people who aren't like inside of the world of wrestling start talking wrestling or show interest in wrestling. Uh, so that it was literally just like that where I was like, oh, okay. I was like, that's Sam Roberts. And it, it's funny too, that you mentioned it. You're like, Oh, I know who Kevin Gill is. Cause he was just like, Hey, cause again, at first I'm like, I don't think that's him. I'm like, maybe that's just someone who looks like him. But then when he's like, no, no, that's him. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I think at one point we're like, should, should we like say hello or something? But it's always like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to bother someone when they're at like a wrestling show. So it's just like, ah, yeah, who, know, who knows? Show. Maybe five years later, uh, we'll, I'll have him on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, that's how uh, that's how I met Kathy Kelly for the first time. Wait, when she was just, I think she was pretty, she's still pretty new at After Buzz mm-hmm. when I first met her, and it was at the, it was actually, I guess. Yeah, it would have been a that was Dallas, right? So it would have been yep. a year before Dallas. It was a year before that. It was at the it wasn't a takeover yet. It was the live event that they did that WrestleMania weekend where Hideo did the GTS finally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was in San Jose. And Kathy was at the show and she came up to me and said hello. And you know, and I'm I've been familiar with Afterbus forever because of uh, I'm really good friends with Kevin Undergaro. So from that point on, we just kind of kept in contact. And, you know, a year later, I think by then we were pretty good friends. So I would I would have come over and said hello. You should always come over. <laughs> well, I, I f- unless you want to do unless you want to be like a jerk, then it's like, I don't know. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I'm, I'm just typically pretty shy. Like, I think it was that same weekend. Um, I was I was kind of just tagging along with Cole Cabana and Marty DeRosa. And at one point we we're hanging out with one of their one of their friends. And I'm like this guy's voice sounds really familiar and he just keeps talking. And I just like, I go out to him. I was like, Hey man, I was like, this is weird. I was like, but I recognize the lower half of your, of like your mouth. You're right. I was like, are you Excalibur? And he just like, <laughs> and he just gives me a wink and I was like, got it. Uh, but you know, so what's it like been for you now? Like kind of transitioning from attending these WWE shows as fans to like attending and doing actual work. I mean, it's so cool. You know, I mean, I'm just the type of person who when I'm a fan of something and I mean, there's nothing that I'm a fan of in the world like I'm a fan of wrestling. But I just uh, having the hobby is never good enough for me. And I'm sure you guys can relate, you know, working at pro wrestling tees like you just want to surround your life with it and just get as close to it as you can get. Like, I don't have that whole never meet your heroes. Don't get too close to it. Let it maintain the magic. I'm like, no, like meet your heroes, get as close to it as you possibly can. Like it's, if you, if you love it like that, it just gets more and more fun. So like, that's what it's been for me. I, 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 my fandom hasn't changed at all. Like, I mean, when I'm, when I'm working kickoff shows or pre-shows or whatever, you're still liable to find me once the show starts still in my dumb suit, wandering around the arena somewhere, watching the show from the crowd, like every single show. At some point in the night, I'm out there in the crowd trying to find like a dark corner to just creepily watch the show in just because, uh, you know, I still love 
that environment. Like you guys know, I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. are hungry for it since, you know, there've been no live shows, but there's just like being at a live show and getting to take it all in like that is still the best. So, I mean, it's been amazing and it continues to be amazing. And every show is still mind blowing and just getting to see things from the perspective that I'm lucky enough to get to see things from is as a fan, unbelievable. Um, but still getting the chance to like my, my, my past that allows me to get into the building so that I can host the pre-show also allows me to leave backstage and go into the audience so I can just watch the show like a fan, which is, you know, still something that is just so awesome for me. It's funny because I think that's something that most of us like close to wrestling in this aspect, like that, you know, yourself and we are, we're like, yeah, wrestling shows are just always going to be around because the last show we attended was revolution. And, uh, I like there was never a thought of okay this is going to be the last live show that we attend for a while and kind of like looking back at it like it's almost been a year since yeah. then I think like it was what February yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, February have been like a full year but no it's it's the same way like you mentioned because there like occasionally you do get that question of like you know oh do you get tired of so much wrestling and it's like no not really no. you know because uh, again with us and more so more so with AEW shows because we would still go to like the nxt shows and stuff um yeah i mean even with me like i would go out of my way to like oh there's this like random progress show happening all right whatever i'm like i'll, I'll go to it even if it's like an hour or so away um but with like the AEW shows it's a lot of like we help them you know as as big of a company as they are they are still kind of like a, a smaller startup so I think for like all the staff who get to go, because that would be the thing too. Ryan will just he'll be like, "Hey, I bought the first two rows in this specific section. Does like who <laughs> wants to go?" And the problem with it now is that like we're getting so much like bigger as a company that it's like um, as opposed to before, where he'd be like, "Oh man, I have twenty four tickets. How are we gonna find you yeah. know all these extra people?" Now, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, now, now now we have to be selective. Yeah, now he's like, oh no, I only have twenty four tickets. Um, <laughs> but no, like it is. Yeah, like it. it it's, I actually do love that, by the way, about like AEW shows when you can like when they were doing live shows and you could look around in the front row and be like, oh, I see Ryan. Oh, there's Conrad. Like you see, like all like. The- <laughs> well, there's that, a funny thing too with Ryan is like he's he's like really reserved, you know. So he he doesn't like. He likes and does not like being the center of attention, if that makes any sense. And uh, yeah. I think it was uh, – where did the, the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks – the where they had the ladder match? I forget what – I think it was like all all out. All yeah, out, think, all yeah. out. I remember he had like a, a suite for everyone. And he's like, yeah, he's like, we're all just sit up there. And I'm like, okay. And then maybe like 10 minutes later, I was like, hey, Ryan. I'm like – if you could get to you know front row seats i was like i'll I'll buy them for you i'm like you know i'm like i'd I'd really like to sit there with my brother and he's like yeah that's fine and he gets them for me and then occasionally throughout the night he'd just be like hey do you uh do you want some food i'm like yeah yeah i'd I'd love some he's like okay well if you want i'll I'll sit in your seats and then you can come up here and get food (laughs) and the, the first time i was like oh yeah sure whatever but then maybe like by the second time where he's like hey uh do you want to stretch your legs i was like let me know when you want to come sit down here <laughs> you know i'm like and that's fine because there is something too different about like sitting that close to the action mm-hmm. um like yeah i i remember the fr- i didn't get to, i i i think the first time i sat the first time i ever sat in the front row um was at a raw 
in Philadelphia. It might have been, I think it was one of the anniversary shows, because I want to say they did like a gimmick battle royal or something on the show. And I think they did maybe a ladder match between Jeff Hardy and Carlito. Mm-hmm. But Rob Zombie was the celeb, you know, they were doing like celebrity hosts and stuff then. And Rob Zombie was the host. And I'm like the biggest Rob Zombie fan in the world. So I had like jokingly asked somebody if they could help me get tickets. And I was like, yeah, front row is fine. Ha ha, LOL. And then I got there and like they were actually, it was, I'd never gotten anything like front row tickets and they were actually front row. And I was like, Oh my God. And you're right. It's just some, like it's just the, the, the show that you love so much that you watch on TV all the time. Like it just, all of a sudden it's on top of you and you're like, this is, this is incredible. Well, and sometimes there's that fear, you know, wrestling is scripted and there's that fear that like, as you get closer to it, you, you see, you know, behind some of the magic, but really, like w- when you are that close, it it only amplifies it. It's like watching, you know, gods fight each other on on stage just for you. Yeah, the first uh, it's a great call. The first show I ever went to as a kid was SummerSlam '92 in Wembley Stadium because I was living in England at the time, and I was, I don't know, seven years old, eight, probably seven, seven, seven or eight years old, and. Uh, my dad had gotten tickets and they were on the floor. It was like three days before the show. And he finally figured out some way to get them because they sold out instantly because England doesn't get pay-per-views ever. At that time, England barely got any shows at all. And so we got the tickets and they were floor seats. And it was like, I don't know, was, I think it was in the 12th row, if I remember right, or the 12th row of the section or something like that. But it was whatever. It was close enough. And my parents told me later that they were really worried because like I loved wrestling so much but I was finally going to see like, oh, he's going to see how they do their tricks. He's going to yeah. see the magic. He's going to see behind the curtain. And it like it. I never had that thing. Like it never occurred to me that it was anything that it wasn't like there was never I guess I never cared because I never like sports anyway. So <laughs> I just took it for what it was. And like I, it. not only did I not have that realization, it wouldn't have occurred to me to have that realization. It was just. Oh my God! Like, look how big Papa Shango is in person. He's terrifying, and look how bright all the colors are, and look, look at how amazing this entire spectacle is. You know. See, to me, it's like it's a little different because I didn't, I didn't get into wrestling until it, I famously, if it was a drinking game, that right now is when you know everyone getting their drinks ready. It was the go home for uh, WrestleMania twenty. It was Eddie Guerrero, what drew me in, and I was all in. And by then, I was twelve, so I knew what wrestling was. Like, I was famously the kid who was just like. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's not real, and uh, <laughs> you're dumb for like, like I, you know, I, I was just that kid growing up. So by the time I started like attending live show, uh, by the time I started getting into wrestling, I knew, and I was very much like you, where I was like, I don't care about sports. Uh, you know, I don't care about sports unless they all have their theme songs and they're in cool looking <laughs> spandex. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, and then it was like, and I don't know, but for you, well, first off, Wembley, for that show to yeah. be your first show, it's... That's pretty uh, great. That's pretty, like, it could only, you know, like, I don't know how you could top that, but, um, like, the first time going to a show and seeing, like, the setup, to me, that's still one of my favorite things. When you walk into the arena, and, like, most of them, they have, like, the little curtain, and then you go into the section, but, like, when you're walking to your section, occasionally you'll, like you'll catch a look and the ring is just right there. And mm-hmm. like, again, depending on the venues, like I mean, for us, uh, the Allstate arena, you know, our Rosemont horizon is the closest one. And I, 
God knows how many times I've been there, but still, like to this day, the little twelve-year-old in me, you know, if like I'm walking to my section, I'm like, wait, hold on, let me just ah, there it is. And there is you're two... you're pretty lucky though that that was your home arena. Like that's one of the coolest yeah. buildings. I mean, there's so much history in that building, but just the vibe of that building, the roof, like the it's such a cool wrestling venue. Like probably, you know. There's Madison Square Garden, and like I, every time, that's one of the few buildings that every time I'm in that building, I'm like, this is cool, and I think about the history of the building, and like just soaking it all in. You know, that's a, that's a really really great wrestling building. Uh, I mean, definitely, and like even like I that that is a common a, a comment that I that has been common, uh, like amongst friends who haven't ever been here because. Like to me, it's just like, oh well, that's just the closest thing to us. Yeah, we take it for granted. <laughs> but it's yeah. very much the same way with me and my friends in New York. Like I went to the uh, the Ring of Honor New Japan show at like Madison Square Garden, and I was like freaking out because I was like, I'm finally gonna get to see like the mecca. It's exactly. Yeah. And my friend who I was with, she was like, oh yeah, like <laughs> sure. And I get it because to her, she she grew up there, so she's been going to it forever. And to me, I'm just like, why aren't you losing your mind? Um, but no, definitely, yeah, the Allstate, like, and especially towards the end, like, we really only started going to like the takeovers or like the major shows um, because like now that they do three hour raws, like, it, I'm, I'm just sometimes I can't sit through it because I'm just like, oh, I'm like, we already sat through the pre show as well. I'm like, it's four hours and it's different when you go to a pay-per-view because it's just non-stop action you know but sometimes it's just those like 20 minute opening promos that i'm like <laughs> like so should i go get my nachos now or i i don't know what's <laughs> next um but yeah it's it's definitely cool I mean, even with like aew going to the sears center also here in chicago like that's also like a pretty like underrated venue um, i'm not sure if you've been there yet but it's 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 a pretty oh. nice venue i don't think so mm. yeah i don't think i have i mean yeah I, but i definitely like when i think about those buildings you know the hammerstein ballroom is so awesome mm. madison square garden is magic every time all-state arena yeah just there there are just some buildings that you walk into and it just you can just like like you breathe in and you see the ring there in the center of it and like you just like look around you and you're like yeah this is this is what this is all about yeah so I've been a big fan of yours, uh, you know, outside of wrestling. You also have a nice side gig as a radio show host. <laughs> um, but, like, it's been interesting to kind of follow your career. You know, if anyone's been a fan of, like, the Opie and Anthony show and then Opie and Jim and now Jim and Sam, you know, there's been this through line of you started as, like, an intern. And, like, famously on, like, Opie and Anthony, they would, like, shit on all the intern classes. And there's been a bunch of famous ones. But, like... You could always see you kind of like working a little bit harder than other people. And then even like just instigating stuff and, you know, just kind of being a little shit sometimes. And it's been really cool to see how you took an opportunity and then now you're the host of the show. Like, how, how does something like that feel like looking at the entire timeline that you were there? I mean, it's crazy. Like, you know, and I try not to lose perspective on that, too. Like, it's just it's it's. For me, like I've lived every single day of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it still feels like a, a complete work in progress. Um, but it is kind of like to, to look back on everything as, as, a, as a package, which I don't do all that often. I kind of, you know, I'm just always 
looking forward and figuring out what the next thing is. Mm -hmm. But, but I do try to take time, especially now that it's like, okay, dude, like you're hosting the morning show, you're doing some stuff with WWE. Like you, you know, you got the rest, like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing that like, you know, hard work actually works like, and, 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 and I really, really, really believe that. And, and, you know, and luck is involved too. And, but just persistence, 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 and just not giving up. It really feels good that it, that it works. It's, it's, it's cool. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think wrestling, you know, to bring it back there helped me a lot. You know, you talk about me being a little shit and everything. And it's like, you know, there are people to this day, today, that don't like me because of the stuff I was doing on the air on that show. And I mean, it's people in real life and it's radio listeners. And it's just because like, I just, I don't know. I put doing stuff for the show before everything, whether I was like in the position of being a shithead or not, I was like, I mean, it's going to make for compelling content. Even if I look terrible coming off of it, like at some point people are going to figure out that, Oh, you know, at the end of the day, this was only ever about content. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and it was just having that knowledge that it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to create radio, even if it means, you know, creating total anarchy in the, in, in the meantime, like well, maybe that's has to happen. Well, like, like some of the, like as a listener, like some of the fun stuff would be like, you know, you you guys and then like the Ron and Fez show would have like a, a nice synergy, but then like Fez would get really paranoid about like Sam saying something about something stupid he said on the show and he'd be like, Of course Sam's gonna come and blab his mouth and like and then of course like both shows would rile it up, but like there was constantly like this it was almost like this heel persona that like you would have that kinda it was like radio magic for a while. Um but yeah, I mean listening to the show um, and I've actually gone back and I've listened to a lot of it. Um, it was kind of a shame that like ONA split up and that was like a big bomb. But I, I kind of like uh, just how you and uh, Jim are really like melding together. And there's not a lot of that latent animosity that you could kind of hear now that you listen back with, you know, 20, 20 years. Um, I don't know. I'm having a brain aneurysm right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of information. Like yeah. people, like it, like it's a, it's kind of a simple story. Like when you think about it in your head. Yeah. But the reality is, it's. It, I mean, just my part alone is 15 years of stuff to kind of unpack. Yeah. And formulate into like a succinct question. Like I, I get it because like in your head, it seems like a pretty simple. Like oh, he started as an intern and now he's yeah. got his own show and it's kind of cool. But like realistically, so much has gone on yeah. within that, that time frame. I get it. Well, and now there seems to be, there seemed to be like a, a kind of a sigh of relief. Like once you guys got the morning show and you kind of didn't have to worry about like the, the little backbiting and the fighting that was going on. And uh, it just seems like the whole show is about fun now, rather than, you know, kind of like behind the scenes, pissing matches that were going on. Yeah. I mean, I never, ever, I was really good at compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have never been the type to worry about inner office drama. Right. Like any, any fight that you ever heard me involved in is, I mean, you know, I feel like the undertaker breaking <laughs> cave pick, but yeah. any, any, <laughs> any fight that you ever heard me involved in 
for me, I never really took it out of the studio. Right. Like I just didn't. And I think, you know, and that's wrestling, right? I think a lot of it has to do with like me, like instantly knowing, oh, this is like wrestling. But for a lot of people, it wasn't. And it's like, oh, I don't like for me, I didn't understand how it wasn't like wrestling. Right. I didn't understand how, how, did, how does this not just stay in the studio? And like, that's a lesson that I kind of had to learn over the course of years and that, oh, maybe you can't just act like everything is wrestling because for some people it's not, for some people it's real life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I, I've, I really feel lucky to be in this profession and like to be able to do this. And I think that Jim sees it that way too. I think, you know, Jim and I, while we're very different people, we're also very similar people in the sense that you know, we, we both had to put a lot of work in to get to where we're at. Not that anybody else didn't, but I'm just saying that Jim and I did. And it left us with similar perspectives of kind of being like, no matter how frustrating moments we'll get or how weird things will get or whatever, like ultimately it's like, can you believe that this is the gig? Like, yeah. can you believe that this is the job, especially now, especially this year, as, as bad as people struggled, like how fortunate we are that we have, we, we have this gig that we can still do from home and everything. Like, like we are so fortunate to be in the position that we're in. And, and, you know, I think, you know, it helps that Jim has a tremendously successful stand-up career outside of the radio. And I'm always working on different things outside of the radio. So it's like, we can come together, we can have fun, we can do a good show, we can live our lives, we can bring those lives onto the show, but we're not sitting there completely wrapped up in this thing. And instead, you know, I, I, I want to wake up in the morning and have fun mm -hmm. with one of the funniest guys in the world. And he, I think wants to get up in the morning and have fun with a guy who's hosting a show with one of the funniest guys in the world. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, I really enjoy it. I, I'm really, I, I, I was pretty confident that, that, that attitude would remain now that we've been doing, I mean, we've been doing the show for almost five years now, which yeah. is crazy, but like, you know, it doesn't feel any different than it did when we started, which is really good. And if it did, I don't think either one of us would stick around or I, like we just wouldn't put up with like we, we've both been through the ringer. Neither one of us right. are interested in, in being in a partnership that isn't fun. Well, so, and you can also see how it could end up in a bad way. Yeah. You know, down and, and also, like, but we've also seen that it doesn't have to like being yeah. on the outside of that thing. You're like you kind of see it. You, you know what it is in the beginning now. Like we get the benefit of getting to see things like that from the outside. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the minute any sort of feeling that could lead to resentment pops up, it's like, bro, just like talk about it. Yeah. Like just, just, just talk about it. And it's probably not that big of a deal. And, and I think that's what it, it turns out to be. It's when those things start to fester over years and, you know, I can't talk to anybody else's experience, but that's just, yeah the way I am. Like I, I, I just, at this point in my life, I could never let something kind of fester and, and bother me like that. You know, I would take care of it either by talking to somebody or just find my peace with it and move on and be like, right. you know, this is still great. Well, that kind of, that kind of reminds me of, you know, the undertaker just did a, an interview with Joe Rogan and he, you know, people were kind of blasting a little bit saying, you know, he said, you know, back when I was starting out, men were men, and you know they were there were some really crusty dudes in the back, and now everyone's just happy and playing video games. But those wrestlers now have the foresight of seeing, you know, maybe 
wrestlers from the 80s, they had fun and they lived this rock and roll lifestyle, but, you know, a lot of them didn't end up making it, you know, it, it, it ended up affecting their future lives and they see it and they have that, that example that they can go by and say, wrestling doesn't need to be that way. Uh, we can have fun and then we can also be healthy and, uh, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I think that that's dead on, you know, I think that, that, that maybe those are the lessons that you're learning from generations, you know, in front of you going like, yeah, I mean, you look back on it and it's, you know, great and everything, but I mean, you also, you don't have the leniency to make the same mistakes that you used to. And you don't have the excuses, you know, when you've got cameras everywhere and like everything being documented. And even when there's not cameras, somebody is going to go on Twitter and say something like you, like nobody, nobody has the secrets that they had in, you know, the eighties or the nineties or anything like that. And, you know, people don't have the excuse of not knowing better. Like you, you know, better because you, you, you've watched the perils of, of what happens here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you have to, you have to see what happens before you from all angles, the good and the bad, and just try to take as much, do as much as you can on the good side and as little as you can on the bad side. Right. So I'd be I'd be pretty upset with myself if I didn't bring it up just because you meant you mentioned him earlier. But Rob Zombie, um, <laughs> I famously never shut up about the Devil's Rejects. Like Love it. like famously to our when I drive to Stink to to Dave's house, uh, it's it's pretty out in the suburbs. So at some point you can go up to like eighty, which means I'm going to drive like ninety like ninety miles an hour. And I will I've timed it now. It's when I pass the Sears Center, I, I start I put on Freebird. And by the time the, the guitar comes in, it's that's when I can go eighty and I just I gun it. Uh because I think that movie ends on such like a, a such a wonderful ending. Um and then the next one came out. But uh how do you feel about Rob Zombie's <laughs> movies? Because a lot of I, I know a lot of people who are a fan of his music and you know who he is but not so much his movies and then also vice versa. Like I know people who love his movies, never listen to any of his music. Um, so how do you, how do you feel both like his, are you a fan more so of his music or of his movies? So first of all, I'm totally biased, right? Mm -hmm. Like straight up, totally biased. I'm obsessed with Rob Zombie. I literally have his white zombie logo and his autograph tattooed on my arm. Like I'm the biggest Rob Zombie fan in the world. So his music is the greatest and his movies are the greatest. Like, so I started like in, I found white zombie. I was probably in sixth or seventh grade. And it was like my first band that I really felt was mine. Like, this is, this is my thing. Like there's something about this that just clicks in with me. I love everything about it. And, and then when he started doing his solo stuff, I was like, this is great. Of course, all of a sudden when edge starts using, mm-hmm. you know, music from sinister urge, I'm like, my worlds are coming together. This is unbelievable. Um, but I, you know, I'm also a huge, huge, huge horror movie fan, unrelated to Rob Zombie. It's just, all, you know, worlds all colliding. And so when I found out Rob was going to start doing movies or was, had a movie he was doing, I couldn't believe it, you know, because he had directed his music videos. But I was like, this is going to be incredible. So I love House of a Thousand Corpses. Devil's Rejects is just like, I mean, even I'd like that's the one where I can I can put my Rob Zombie bias aside and like, if you don't love Devil's Rejects, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, this is this is just a, a gr- generally great. It's objectively movie. good. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's object. It's just an objectively good. movie. It doesn't matter who directed it. Um, I love. Uh, I love 
how the Halloween remake. I love mm-hmm. I I do love his original Halloween. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Halloween two, I do struggle with. <laughs> I will <laughs> I will admit that I do. I do struggle with Halloween too. I had a friend that, I mean, we literally argued for years because he would point out to me the glaring problems with Halloween too. And I, I would just not admit to them because of my love for Rob Zombie. But I mean, if I, I, if I could, if I could take my emotion out of it, if I could think with my brain instead of my heart, I may have some issues with Halloween too. Um, but other than that, I, I, I love, I see, think I love all his other movies. Yeah. I very much understand that feeling. Cause I, much in the way of uh, you loving Rob Zombie, I love Kevin Smith. Like I've I've got uh, his face tattooed on my shin, very very large, you know. <laughs> um, and but I'm I'm that same. Like there will be people who I'm like, oh, I, I I love Kevin Smith. It's always yeah, but what about you know what about this or what about that? And I'm like, I get it. Like I will like I think Clerks one and two are awesome films. You know, you, you like you have to be a Kevin Smith fan. Very much in the same way because I I do enjoy Rob Zombie's movies as well. Like, same thing, you know, like horror movie purists will be like, "Mm, no, not his version of Halloween. But I'm like, it's good. Like, it it is a good take. And very much the same way with the second one where I'm like, sure, there are problems. And the same can be said with most movies, you know, like all movies can't be 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, like I think I, I do like that about like Rob Zombie about kind of just like his fan base is that they're very much like dedicated in the same way that Kevin Smith's fan base is dedicated that you get the few fans who can like, all right, this is subjectively good. But I can also objectively say that even though, uh, you know, I don't know, Lords of Salem, even, you know, let's take that. Like, even though it's not the best film, I still very much enjoy it because just yeah. with films in general, it's always just so tricky. Like. I love the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comic book. Uh, the movie, while it wasn't uh, the best, um, I still enjoyed it. And yeah. you know, there always be people like when I like I famously give like some movies shit. You know, like the Fast and Furious movies. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like the first three are cool, and then the other the other three I'll start. You know, like. You don't like when they become superheroes? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that when I'm just <laughs> they like, stop stealing VCRs and stop. They start riding submarines. <laughs> yeah, that's when I'm just like, okay. And then like I have a few friends who are just like, oh, look at League of Extraordinary Gentlemen over here has all his uh he's getting all high and mighty on his on his high horse. But uh no, like definitely like it's just something about how how like the shift between House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Cause we like mm-hmm. Dave and I uh around Halloween we, we did some movie reviews. We did some yeah. movie reviews and we're like, let's do House of a Thousand Corpses. And before we started recording, we're like, let's let's try our hardest for this to not also delve into like a half-assed review of the Devil's Rejects because I know I'm <laughs> yeah. like I know how I am, and that's what mm-hmm. we're going to do. And then, sure enough, yeah. like you know, like well, and, and that's the thing too. Like House of a Thousand Corpses was very much like music video, Rob Zombie, mm-hmm. and then Devil's Rejects. He's like, okay, let me think about the way things look, and you know, it's not so nonsensical. It's a really good movie, and I love House of a Thousand Corpses, by the way. So th- this is not me criticizing it, but like Devil's Rejects is so much better than House of a Thousand Corpses. And and I don't know about like about you, but I I understand. When people are like, I don't know, man, I watched that first one and I don't think I want to watch a sequel because like you do have to like explain to them where it's like, listen, yeah, the first one was kind of, yeah. hey, look, look at me. I can make a movie. And then the second one was like, but now I'm going to make a film. Yeah. 
and yeah like it definitely it, it definitely holds up the prequel to it i forget was it like the the devil's three, three from hell. hell three from hell and not not so much they went to the well one too many times with i them. you know i yeah. i really enjoyed the music yeah. in that film is is uh what i like to say when when people ask me for my opinion on that i don't know about yours but uh so like there i mean there are a couple of things there number one i love the kevin smith comparison i'm also a big kevin smith fan um i just like i really really like in film specifically when you can you can kind of feel the creator's voice in it. Like so many films like just feel like a product. And I love that like Rob Zombie movies, for better or worse, there's no t- doubt who made them. Like it's Rob Zombie all over. Kevin Smith movies, for better or worse, it's Kevin Smith all over it. And by the way, like I love Tusk, just so you know. Like, oh, I think I, it, right? I, Tusk oh. is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. But for as far as like, yeah, like House of a Thousand Corpses, and you get this because, again, it's just Rob. It's not like it's a big studio. I mean, it was released by a studio, obviously, but it's not like it's this big conglomeration of talents coming together and this person's going to do this. It's just like it's exactly what you said, Rob, going like I can make a movie. And it's he just did everything he's ever wanted to do in movies in one movie all at the same time. Like there's so many. I can see all the different influences that are just all over this thing, right? And it's clearly – ADD, like it just turns, they go underground and like it turns into something else entirely. And you're like, what's, what, how is this even the same movie? But I'm okay with it. Cause I, 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 it's just everything he's ever wanted to do in a movie. And I just, that's why I love that movie. But you're right about the devil's rejects that I feel like the devil's rejects is when he went, Oh, I can make multiple movies. I don't just have to make one movie. Like I can just tell this one story that I want to tell on film. I don't have to worry about making everything I've ever wanted to do in a movie. I can just tell the story of the fireflies here. And I even, like, look, I get, like, three from hell. You can't go, this is the sequel to The Devil's Rejects, because people will go, oh, yes, finally. Because it's it's not the right. sequel to The Devil's Rejects. The Devil's Rejects is, like, this special thing. But I also love, like, B-movies. Like, I like horror movie because because like a, a a good b movie is for better or worse again you can just you can feel that somebody just wanted to make this thing there's no reason that this film should exist except that some guy thought that it was a good idea and like it sucks and the act there's no budget to it the acting sucks but still like it's just this guy's vision and he just wanted to make it and he made it and so three from hell i mean most of the movie is one scene. Like it's just that big shootout with luchadors. And so it departs completely from this huge cinematographic feat that was the devil's rejects. But three from hell just made me feel like I was watching a low budget kind of seventies horror B movie. And I love those. So I was like, yeah, I love this for that reason. See, and that's probably, you know, a lot of my Rob Zombie bias thrown in there. That in part, which first off, you gave my favorite guess because you've, I think you're the only person who said like, yeah, I've seen Tusk and I love it. Uh, but like with Tusk, that that is like my logic behind liking it because yeah, like at, it, at its core. And so I've uh, 
gone back and like I've been making my way through uh, Kevin Smith's like uh, his back catalog of podcasts, and I'm now like up at the point where him and Scott Mosier discuss like Tusk being a movie. You know, where like they were coming up with the yeah, idea. where they're coming up with the idea, and that's I think what I love the most about Tusk is that that's literally what it was. It was one one man was really high trying to make uh this movie like you know on the spot to make his friend laugh right yeah and and then by the next episode they're like oh no like this is actually a thing you know like they even joke about it where they're like oh copyright this now and it becomes a thing and like it's actually a a good movie you know like right there are don't you think like there's got to be a twist here like they're not really just going to do this and then he just becomes a walrus and you're like (laughs) They just they did it like they just they just decided to do it. Well, I'm like the, the, it's just such a great decision that no, everybody else would have like put in a twist or just been like, oh, this is way too ridiculous. We can just turn him into a human walrus. And it's like, no, we can definitely turn him into a human walrus. Well, and that's the beauty of seeing something like that from its crazy inception where they're just throwing ideas out and making the movie. There's like no cynicism in it. They're like having so much fun and there's so much joy right from the inception and it wasn't about like who's the target demo and yeah how are we going to find it they're just like let's make a a grotesque movie and it's going to be awesome and it was I, and like yeah. the best part is you get to the ending of that like you to the ending of it and it's just like haunting you know like it goes off <laughs> yeah. with like oh he's just trapped in this in this walrus enclosure yeah the end question mark and yeah like the ultimate body horror movie (laughs) exactly and like does it does it really fit into like the kevin smith universe where most of his movies have some sort of commentary on something no but like it's still like it's fun um but man like so you mentioned you know like really being like a a movie buff what are what are some of your favorite movies because i mean dave and i famously for for the official podcast of pro wrestling tees we spend a lot of time talking about movies yeah Uh, Yeah. so what are some of your favorite films well i mean i love the horror genre for sure. And like I said, like I've been on this real kick of finding like the most obscure movies that I can find, like, you know, like from the boutique Blu-ray dealers and stuff. And like, there's a site called vinegar syndrome that just puts out amazing. Uh, amazing. We're actually friends with uh, our buddy, Wes Allen, who's listening to this right now. He works with them. And I've, Uh, I've got a collection of Blu-rays of just randomness that he's, that he sent me. I went crazy on their Black Friday sale this year. And like I've got I've got stacks of them. Yeah, cuz so I found out about Vinegar Syndrome because they put the movie Rad out on Blu-ray mm-hmm. and me and a friend of mine had talked about this movie forever and it had never been on DVD or anything, but we just watched it as kids over and over again. And so they put out Rad on Blu-ray and I was like, "What is this website that's like what what are these movies they put out?" And so I bought Rad off of them, but then I just started like doing deep dives into all these movies that they had and tried to find where they were streaming. And then I was like, no, 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 I need to get them on Blu-ray and look at these transfers they're doing for them and everything. And they're just, they're just outstanding. So, I mean, if anybody likes super obscure, like B movies that are action and horror movies, it's, it's just my favorite spot. Um, so I love that, uh, I love the Friday the 13th series. I, there's so many movies that I love, but I mean, I also, you know, I love the movie Heavyweights. Have you seen Heavyweights, the Disney movie? I, Heavyweights, is, Heavyweights is incredible. So it's like from 1993. It's a, it's a live action movie. And like it's not a Disney cartoon, but Disney made it. But Ben Stiller is the counselor at a fat camp. 
and Keenan Thompson is in it. And it came out at the same time as Camp Nowhere, which if you're like, you know, my age, I'm sure you remember it. Um, but it's like, it's dark, kind of dark and hilarious and, and so good. But heavyweights like holds up. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to point me in a direction. I don't know if I could tell you <laughs> my, my favorite movie, but if you point me in a direction, we can, we can have a movie conversation. Um, oh man. Yeah, it, it is. You see, I'm, and I'm, I feel bad asking you that question because I'm very much the same way. Like I, yeah, I famously hate like when I, uh, like when I when I start like the talking, like when I meet a girl on Tinder and we're having that like, oh, so what are you know what are your interests? And they all for sure they'll be like, what are your favorite movies? And it's like, all right, <sighs> it's like yeah, like what's my favorite movie today? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like off the off the top of my head, my my top five favorite right now, and then like I'll give them a list and. There, and I try not to be like that person, but whenever it's like, oh, you know, this is my top five, you know, which like I my my default go to is, is always Back to the Future, um, yeah, what we do in the shadows, uh, mm-hmm. um, Shawshank Redemption, oh. uh, The Dark Knight, and as of recently, I've started throwing in their Clerks too because I just I, I love Kevin Smith and wow, and again, it's just like off the top of my head, just five where i'm like i've seen i've probably seen these the most yeah and i can talk about these less i'll throw those out there so i was having i was having a conversation with somebody recently and i think i figured out the perfect movie trilogy that i could just watch over and over again because i love i love the dark knight Mm -hmm. but i think i love the dark knight rises just as much i don't think that they give the dark knight rises the credit that it is due just because heath ledger was such an incredible joker that it's it's impossible to follow you know mm-hmm. it's like you know triple h and jericho following hogan and the rocket just like why did we put that movie out second but i never never like so i'll watch the dark knight and the dark knight rises over and over again i never watch batman begins and i'm not even gonna sit there and tell you it's a bad movie i'm just not i'm sitting in my head like do i want to revisit the story of rajal ghoul and it's like no you know i don't so i always watch the second two in the Batman, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. But then I recently like rewatched the matrix mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my God, the matrix is so good. The first one. And then my wife was like, well, should we watch the second one? And I was like, no, we definitely should not watch the second or the third one. And then I realized if you put the matrix one and then Batman two and three, that's the movie trilogy for me. <laughs> See, so. I, I very much feel the same way about the dark Knight rises that you do. Like I remember, I remember going to go watch it. I at the time I was working at a movie theater and I put in my two weeks two weeks prior to that movie coming out because I knew one, I already had like another job lined up, but also I was like, I I'm not gonna have any time to go watch this movie and enjoy it knowing that like, oh I've got work. But like I remember watching it and like I enjoyed it. I really liked it. And I'm very much the same way like Batman begins, I've seen it. I like Liam Neeson, but I just, it, and it's fine. Yeah. But The Dark Knight Rises, yeah, like that's a movie that like I quote, I quote so often. Like oh, I, I hate w- that movie. Really? It's the worst. I, I and I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, like it, 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 it is. I, I feel it suffers from that. From where Heath Ledger was just so good that anything you would have put out afterwards, like I to this, I mean, even right now, Dave, you saying that, I. I don't get it. Like the the one part, my one gripe with it is that uh, uh, Rachel Gould's daughter, Marion Cotillard, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. After she slept with him, she should have just stabbed him or killed him then and there. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm a huge Batman fan, and I love Batman Begins and Dark Knight. And yeah, I will say, when you're coming off a of Heath Ledger, you're not going to get as much shine. I so I get that, but like, I'm a big fan of like comic book Batman and just like the idea of Batman and just like the idea that Batman's like ah, I'm going to stop being Batman for a while. And then, oh, now I'll be Batman, but I'm just going to leave, like, after I drop an atomic bomb in, in Gotham River. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah, like, why didn't you just stab him after you had sex with him? Like, that would have been so easy. There's just a lot of, I can stretch my imagination. Listen, I'm a wrestling fan, but, like, <laughs> let's be realistic about Batman. Well, hey, you famously ran a Matrix <laughs> yeah, right. fan site for the longest, so, you know. Oh, I, the Matrix? Oh. Yeah, Oh. It was a very bad obsession. We, I was like one of the moderators on one of the largest Matrix fan sites, and you know, there's there's all this subtext and double meaning, and then you know they name characters after other characters, and then it was it's this huge rabbit hole to go down. But yeah, I will admit, Matrix One, great, especially yeah. for its time. Matrix Two, yeah. I like a lot. Matrix Three, I could forget about that happening. But they're making Matrix <laughs> Four, so who knows? Maybe yeah, and I'll go back. I'll go back and watch Matrix 4. It's just like I rewatched the first Matrix so recently and I was like, yeah, that's why I was like, there's no I don't have any more questions. Like, yeah, I guess I want to find out what happens to Neo, obviously, mm-hmm. like, is he successful? And that's where it goes. But I'm like, for a, for a really complex movie, they put a nice bow on it at the end. They really wrapped it up like they really yeah. like I got it like the, the war, the machines. And everything. OK, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. And then they were like, well, you need two more movies. And I was like, no, I got it. I, I understand. Well, and th- and that's where kind of like that, you know, they made a really good, I don't want to say it's high concept, but like it was a good concept. And then they said, oh, let's make a sequel. And then let's double down on all like the weird side ARG stuff that you got to like, you got to look up. Oh, what is, what is Persephone? And what, you know, all these names that, <laughs> you know, will bore everyone else that's not a Matrix fan. But we'll see. I think they, I think they fell into the trope of like, and Christopher Nolan's notorious for this, like as great as you know some of his movies are, like recently Tenet, and I don't know Sam if, if you watched it or not. Um, not yet. Like you I don't have to. Like I enjoyed. <laughs> like I enjoyed the movie. I saw it, but I understand like people's gripes with it. Like certain uh, the the best comparison that I saw was um, what's the the movie where he with the magician movie the prestige had? the prestige oh the we, which I love. But they were like, it's yeah. all, they're like, it's almost as if Christopher Nolan is trying to like battle with himself and tr- trying to, you know, like, oh, I don't want you to see how the uh-huh. magic is done. But like at this point, it's not necessary. Well, it's like M. Night Shyamalan and not in a good way at all. <laughs> He's just adding like weird time gimmicks to everything. And it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speak, speaking of things we like, uh, why don't we talk about things that you don't like? Uh, Sam, like most foods, like I, I, I've been showing my wife on YouTube, you trying to eat like a hot dog for the first time or macaroni and cheese. And she's kind of like half rooting you on and you're just having trouble eating these things that most of us just kind of take for granted. What, what kind of gave you the idea to kind of put yourself on blast and put this on the forefront on the internet? Well, so like, I know that people always find it really interesting. Like I'm not, so I'm like, a. I have eating issues. Like I really only eat specific foods. I just, I'll eat very, I eat plenty, but there's not much variety. Like I eat chicken, I eat pizza. That's basically it except for junk, you know? Right. Um, 
But I, so it's always been interesting to people, but I'm also not, I try not to be outwardly annoying about it. Like I get that people are just annoyed by the fact that it's a thing, which I totally get. Like I'm not angry at that. Like I, I, if somebody's like, it's just annoying that you exist. I'm like, yeah, I can get that. I can, I can get behind that. I'm not mad at that. Um, but I like, I won't. I you'd never I won't go to a restaurant and ask for like, well, do you have anything that's not on the menu? Well, I don't really like this. Like I never I'm never that guy. If you take me out to dinner, like I would do my best so that you would never know. Right. That I'm having a panic attack because there's nothing on the menu that you're, I can you're, eat. You're not I, asking the chef to prepare chicken nuggets for you. Never. <laughs> never. And I'm and I'm and I'm mad. Like if early in our relationship, my wife would be like, "Um, can you just fry some chicken?" I go, "Never do it again." <laughs> never do that again like this if this is how i'm going to i have to like if this i'm going to live i have to take the difficulties with it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i can't act like the world needs to acquiesce to my you know absurdities but so like but people are always like interesting and when it comes up people start asking the questions like well will you eat this will you eat this will you eat this and they try to find the logic in it and i don't mind the conversation but i've just noted that people found it interesting and then when i was one of the early things that on on radio that I did with with O and A that really you know made a mark was that they found out about it. So they started asking me every morning what I had for dinner the night before, and like it was even worse then because I was in like my early twenties probably. Mm-hmm. So it was really like I'm not thinking about metabolism. I'm not the, the you know I'm invincible. So I'm literally eating chicken nuggets and fish sticks every night because who you know who cares? This is me forever. So they became kind of obsessed with that. And so every day for every, like for months they would ask me and I'd have some ridiculous answer. And that bit culminated with them wanting proof. So they had, uh, like a, a, a really great New York restaurant chef come in and cook breakfast for everybody, but he made steak and rice. Like he made like steak omelets and stuff like that. And every, like literally the whole room is like, what a treat. What a great enjoyment we all have. And he made this plate of steak and rice. And I don't eat, like, I don't eat steak. I don't eat, like, meat like that. And my the rice thing is like a phobia. Like, I will, you will never catch me eating any kind of rice. I don't even like to clean up rice. I don't like it around. I, I can't stand it. And then they had Mick Foley come in because they knew he was my hero. And it was the first, I think it was the first time I met Mick Foley. And they had him come in and feed me steak and rice like a baby. <laughs> and and it just watched me like gagging on it and the whole thing and it was really, very embarrassing but it was very good radio so that was that was years ago and you know one day i was just, like for I, probably a year i was like i i got to start eating eggs the protein is good they're just so good for you it would be such a good addition to have in my diet and like it was almost like psyching myself up like going like and you can handle it you could do this scramble some eggs up in a pan like you know you already cook chicken in the pan like you got this, you got this. And, I, and finally one day I tried eggs and I was like, yeah, I can handle this. And then I realized like, ah, oh, like I should, I should film this. Like there's something in me that goes like people would not believe that this is the first, I tweeted about it. That's what it was. I tweeted about it and said like, you know, I just ate eggs for the first time. And people were like, what? No way. That can't be true. But, and I was like, oh, I forgot how interested people are in this. It's like, maybe I should maybe I should do this and start filming it. And then I talked about it on the radio and Norton was like, Oh my God, you got to film these. Like you got to put this. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And so 
I made this like commitment to myself to go like, okay, I'm going to do a weekly series called Annoying Eater and it'll be fun and I'll try something every week and I'll just put myself on blast for doing it. And I don't know, maybe the first couple weeks were kind of fun, but like I, you have no idea. I seriously, by halfway through, hated doing it so much. I had no fun. I couldn't wait until it was over. I couldn't stand the exercise anymore. I absolutely hated doing it by the, by the end of it. it I, I couldn't stand it, but I feel like the more that I hated it, the more people enjoyed it. So I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop until we get to the finish line. Well, the common through line, I think through all the comments and like some of the feedback you were getting was, oh, it's got to be a texture issue. And I know you kept saying it's not a texture issue. So like, you know, stop suggesting it. And I understand that personally, because like I hate beans. Like if chili's got beans, I I pick it out. Um, But I like baked beans for some reason. That's like the only beans I'll eat. And so it's right. not the texture of the bean, because like any texture you have with like a kidney bean, it's like ten times worse in baked beans. I can't eat refried beans; it's the same texture. I don't know what it is, but yeah, like, I get that. I mean, like I'll eat, I'll eat peas. I mean, I won't eat peas, but I'll eat corn like by the bucketful. Yeah. I love corn, but I won't eat peas, and I don't see what the difference would be. So I, do, I don't think it's a texture thing. Yeah, and uh, for a lot of people too, they they also have irrational. Like some people don't eat mayonnaise. My yeah, my daughter won't eat mushrooms. I'm like they're delicious, but I and remember I be, mushrooms. I, yeah, and I would say that's crazy. They're delicious. There's nothing wrong with mushrooms, but like, you know, some people just happen to have a lot of those. You know, see, I sympathize with you because like I'm I'm somewhat of a picky eater myself, and like as I've gotten older, I've kind of like I've tried things out. You know, where I'm just like, oh, okay. I guess I do like this, but there's also something like I hate broccoli, like Mm-mm. broccoli, cauliflower, I hate it. And no, no matter how many times I'm like, mm, I think this time you're, you're going to, you're going to like it. Maybe if it's covered in cheese and little bacon, but no, still like, I just, I hate it. And it comes out more. I mean, it hasn't recently because obviously we haven't been traveling, but like whenever Ryan would take us out on like, to dinner or like work trips like when we were in vegas mm-hmm. um for what was it double or nothing double or nothing yeah ryan likes to eat luxuriously and so we'd go to all these restaurants and i remember we went to tonobu which is just famous for their sushi and i hate seafood like everything everyone's like what about I'm like no i'm just like the thought of it just grosses me out and i don't know why because it's not like like i love chicken and it's pretty much like the same process, but you know, whatever, regardless, I just, I hate seafood. And, uh, they had like a very limited, like, oh, non seafood menu. And it was just, it was myself, it was Dana Massey. And then I think maybe one other person who wasn't eating like any sushi. And it was just like the worst because first off, I'm, I, like, I tell the guy, I was like, listen, you don't have to do these fancy courses. I was like, you could just bring me everything at once. And he's just like, no, man, like, it's okay. Well, and I'm like, oh, God. And it's, and everyone is just sitting around watching. And when everyone's sitting around watching, it's just them, oh, why don't you like that? Why or, or just try it. Yeah. You'll like it. Oh, why didn't yeah. you? It's just like, I just don't, I just don't want a raw onion with this right now. You know, very much things like that. And then once everyone's sushi comes and I'm waiting for it, you sure you don't want to? Ch- no. I'm like, I don't want to try that. You sure? Have you had it? 
all right, maybe you'll like it this time. And a lot of like with Ryan, he'll be like, come on, I'll give you $50 if you try it. I'll be, I'll be like, I'll give you $100 if you don't ask me to fucking try any of the seafood. <laughs> you know, like it comes to that. Um, and that was like one of the things like when, when Dave told me about the videos and like showed me some, I was like, oh, I was like, I get it. Because again, yeah. they're, like with mushrooms, I'm very much this. I am with mushrooms the way you are about rice. Like to the point where like I remember when I was younger, I was like, no mushrooms, no mushrooms. And I had an aunt. Um, who's no longer my aunt? Cause she was only my aunt through marriage, and my uncle smartened up. Uh, but she, she, like, I would be like, no, like they'd be ordering pizza. I'm like, I don't like mushrooms. And then my uncle would be like, okay, just order it half mushrooms, half non mushrooms. And she would just be like, no, we're gonna order it all with mushrooms. And if you don't want it, that's too bad. And like as a, I was just like, oh, it's okay. And I would just like very sadly peel everything off and just eat half this the like cheese comes off. Just yeah. this lightly sauced bread that was it was the worst, but. Yeah, I mean, people don't talk about like food you know, phobias. Food phobias enough. Yeah. I feel that's a miss. Uh, that's an underrepresented topic um, in the world. But uh, Sam, we've kept you for long enough. Um, very fun conversation. Hopefully, in the future, we we can have you back on because I feel there's still a lot of wrestling that we we didn't get <laughs> to. Um, but that'll be for for part two if and when it happens. Um, for uh, those of you who already aren't, where can people find you online? Uh, notsam.com has all the information, youtube.com slash notsam. Um, you can get, uh, the notsam wrestling podcast, wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast, I'm sure you can find notsam wrestling. And of course, uh, over on the free version of the WWE network, you can watch, uh, notsam wrestling, same title, completely different show. Uh, it's my WWE network show that, uh, I'm kind of amazed got on the air. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 such a fun show to do uh, that, and I think you guys uh, will really enjoy it. It's just a it's a hardcore fan perspective show. So, not Sam Wrestling's on the free version of the WWE Network. You should be able to check out I think all the episodes by the time this comes out. So enjoy. Thank you very much. Uh, like I said, we're we're both big fans of yours, and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on. again to sam roberts for that interview uh i wanted to go back and rewatch the matrix in you know and then uh those two batman movies in that order after he talked about it but um i just haven't had much time it's been pretty busy over at pro wrestling tees i did want to note there is a part of the interview where literally my brain starts melting down as i'm talking <laughs> i knocked over a bunch of funko pops mid-question and i was like ah shit I was like, everyone's going to hear it. And then I was thinking about that while I was talking. And then I was just like, uh, 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 and he's such a professional that he, he kind of saved me from it. So good on you, Sam Roberts. Good on him. And uh, listen, yeah. I'm happy. And, and I know you, you know, you talked about your feelings, but I am happy that like now with time, uh, people are looking back a little bit more fondly at the dark Knight rises because again, you know, every, like you yeah. very much, uh, voice your your opinion on it and it's not the perfect batman movie um yeah. but I, i'm i'm happy that like in time people have like kind of come around to it because that like that's weirdly a movie i reference a lot you know like i remember whenever i work when i worked at kohl's uh and ev- whenever it was busy i would literally always say it's like the third act of fucking the dark knight rises in here and nobody would understand what i was saying also because my managers are probably like uh, three times my age and i don't think they were as familiar with uh 
the Chris. Get that reference. Yeah, they were just like, what? what What are you talking about? Uh, but no, you know, again, fun interview. I, I really hope we get to have him back, maybe, you know, an in-person interview when all this is over. Uh, but yeah. speaking of Batman, uh, there's, uh, there's a rumor going around last week. Uh, and that rumor is that the uh, Batman animated series is getting a sequel. Uh, not Not a reboot, but just a continuation of it. Uh, do you remember how the show ended? Like what the last episode was? Well, so it's going to be, no, actually to be honest with you, cause there's so many episodes, but, and then there's also, they, they blended a couple different versions of the show. So you had like the new adventures of Batman and Robin kind of piggybacked off of it. So I'm not sure exactly where they're going to kind of splice that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a big I was a bigger fan when Robin wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like they added Robin, and then it kind of it was to skew more towards the younger fan, which is fine. Like not every Batman thing has to be for me, but um, that's kind of where I started losing interest. Um, but it's funny, you know, in the last I'd say maybe month or so, my stepson Jake started watching because uh, they added Batman the animated series to HBO uh, Max. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me, he's like, he's like, why do you, he's like, what is it about this show? He was just asking me about it. And like, for me personally, that show, you know, I don't want to get a little dark, but like, I didn't have like the best family life when I was younger, but like after school, I would go to my grandma's house and it timed like on Fox, it timed up perfectly where I was at my grandma's house and then I had a little bit of time where I could watch a full episode of Batman, the animated series before my mom picked me up. And so it was always kind of like, like a a little getaway destination for me every day. And so like something about that. And then the 89 film, because it's so closely tied to that, that um, it really burned something into my brain. So that's why like, I really love Batman. I love Ninja Turtles. So hearing that they would, continue the animated series was like first of all the perfect use of hbo max and uh it's thought we could use a little more real artisan cartoons you know well the good thing with cartoons like that are the you can't just keep them going you know it's difficult like uh I, 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 power rangers i was talking power rangers like it's difficult to keep doing that because uh you know everyone fell in love with like mighty morphin all right, let, let's say you want to keep continuing that short of uh, like an animated movie or, you know, other extended media like comics and video games. Like you can't just bring them back, you know, like you can't bring back these adults, these 40 to 50 year old adults now and put them in spandex. Yeah. Tommy Oliver now looks very different than Mighty Morphin Tommy Oliver that we remember. I mean, he would probably be the one that'd be like, yeah, let's throw you in some spandex because you know, he, he's a UFC fighter and shit, but the rest, you know, it's like, they've all, they've all grown up. You know, mm-hmm. these people were going to stay in Ranger shape for the next 40 years, just in case at some point, uh, pop culture would come back around to, you know, buy Rangers. But with like this, with Batman, the animated series, like it's, it's evergreen. It's evergreen. Yeah. And they're there, you know, like, yeah, uh, who's it, Kevin Conroy? Mm-hmm. Like, he still does Batman stuff. He does, you know, he has not stopped doing these this Batman voice. Same thing with Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill has not stopped voicing the Joker. Um, and, like, you can't, you can just continue. 
You know, it's very much, I, I, it's very like much appealing to me because again, it was also a show that like I watched as a kid, um, in reruns, obviously. Uh, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. And it was like, I didn't like the Superman. I've never been a fan of Superman. Right. I, you know, it was just kind of like too corny and campy for me. Uh, but Batman, it was like, it was darker. And then going back in hindsight, like there are some like serious episodes, you know, like that, the, uh, the Mr. Freeze episode. Yeah. Heart of Ice. Heart of Ice. Like that should be a movie. Like, why haven't you? And I know they, they, they put Mr. Freeze in a movie. Uh, and as ice as it was to meet you, uh, it wasn't the best. Um, but I, de- like, I definitely think like that's a storyline that they could just adapt. And, um, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much excited because it, it's, it's like you mentioned, like it's still, it, it doesn't get old. Like it's, and it's in its own like time, you know, like it's in this weird, like what era is this? Because it almost seems like it's, uh, um, older than what it actually is but it's just the art style basically and the, the beauty of that yeah it's the timelessness of it because you have like the art deco style of the buildings and you know they got the old-timey gangsters with the fedoras but then the, they also have like police blimps and then batman's got a computer and his car has like a turbine engine on it so like they did a really good job of not not dating it mm-hmm. you know with old reference, but the, you know, they had enough old stuff and enough new stuff to make it its own little pocket timeline, which was beautiful. And yeah, like you said, like the other Bruce Tim stuff, I wasn't the biggest fan of, like I didn't watch justice league and I didn't watch uh, the adventures of Superman because there is a marked difference. Like with the animated series, they would do all the animation painted onto like a black background to make it like oppressively dark which made the action just seem that much more noirish, and you don't see that in the other stuff. It's just like regular animation. So, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Kevin Conroy's coming back. I do I do wonder if Mark Hamill's coming back. I don't know if they said or not. Because um, I know he, Mark Hamill said he was having a hard time hitting the voice. Um, it was like affecting his throat, and like he was doing it in the Batman games, and then he said, "I can't do it very much longer because it hurts my my throat." So. Like Troy Baker kind of took over, who does actually a really good Hamill Joker, but we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I, again, right now this is just a rumor, but uh, it's probably happening. Um, yeah, Kevin, Smith, Kevin Smith said uh, it's probably happening. He he said I don't bet the farm on it, but it's probably already in the works. So, which that's it's always my favorite because I I you know kevin smith fan here i religiously listen to everything that he puts out and uh like he'll always be you know he'll always like reiterate like this isn't news this is just what i heard right but there there's always there's always there's always what we hear you know yeah it is always just like "Mm, but is it you know like there was that article that came out um about like the people at the uh, some someone over in charge at warner brothers was like uh you know th- this movie the the Snyder cut this that is now is a confirmed to be a 4 hour movie um yeah which yeah I'm like I want to watch it but Jesus Christ 4 hours it, it's uh, not a cut anymore it's just a movie <laughs> it's just a movie but uh apparently 
you know, like someone over at Warner Brothers was like, well, whatever, who cares? This isn't going to lead to anything. And Kevin Smith was like, um, I mean, from what I've heard, he goes, that's definitely not how that movie ends. Um, which leads me to believe that there might be more Snyderverse coming than we actually think. Um, I don't know. Listen, more Batman, you know, more more Batman if it means it's done well. That's that's all I care about. Um, exactly. Uh, Dave, I know you haven't watched it, but they put out a trailer for uh, Godzilla versus uh, Kong. Mm-hmm. And it looks... What do so you much, think? It looks so much fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I love the Kong movie. Um, you know, I, I've always just... I don't know. I, I've been indifferent about um, the... Uh, Godzilla movies, you know, like yeah. I, like I unironically like the uh, Matthew Broderick one, but it's because I was a kid. Uh, Godzilla's cool though. Um, I'm excited to see it. You know, like it's definitely, it just looks like it's just, you know, how sometimes every now and then with like wrestling, you just get these two big meaty men just fucking beating the we shit out of each other. Yeah, you have a hoss yeah. fight. That's the vibe I got from this. You know. Like it is just it is a giant hoss fight. It looks like they're bringing everyone back from you know from the last Godzilla movie and incorporating some some new people. Um, I mean, you know, like again, it's just uh, two big meaty men, you know, slapping meat. So I'm um, I'm all in for this. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's weird because like ever since King Kong was a thing and ever since Godzilla was a thing, people have been just wanting them to match together. I know, I know they did Godzilla versus King Kong, you know, decades ago, but like, you know, why not do it again? We have the technology to make it look better. And it's something that will get people, you know, we don't really get too many brainless, uh, tentpole style spectacle movies anymore that don't have like the rock in them, I guess. But, you know, it's kind of nice to have something like this that we can just kind of, turn our brains off and just watch these two duke it out i'm, I'm really excited oh de- definitely excited myself um dave I, I, the theaters what's up it's a shame we're not probably not gonna see it in the in the theaters yeah that that is a bummer but you know hey it's uh, you know that's fine i'll wait at some point they'll put it you know i, I have a feeling at some point they'll re-release it in theaters when it's safe oh. to go back to theaters again yeah um but Dave, really quick before we head out of here, I want to give, uh, first off, a huge shout out to our sponsors. Um, of course, talking about freelance wrestling, M3 Toys, Cryptic Closet, and Gorilla Publishing. Without none of them, uh, you know, the show wouldn't be possible. Uh, but also, I want a huge shout out to all the friends of the show, everyone who's listened. If this is your first episode, go back and listen to some older ones. You know, we have a lot of a lot of fun episodes in the catalog. Um, but uh, you know, everyone who supported us, you know, with whether with a retweet or buying a T-shirt, um, you know, I'm I'm recording this on a brand new fancy microphone uh, that we bought. Uh, you know, thanks to you guys. You know, you guys helped. Uh, you know, every time you purchase a T-shirt, things like that. Like Dave and I, we're not, you know, <laughs> we're not getting rich off uh, all the PWT cash shirt sales. We mostly just put it aside so that we can uh, buy new equipment so that we sound uh, crisper and cleaner for you guys. Um, but yeah, just want to give a huge shout out to everyone, you know, uh, Drugs Delaney, Drugs Delaney, a uh, friend of the show. Hope you feel better. Unfortunately, man got COVID this week, but uh, 
he's a warrior and he'll, he'll persevere. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's stuck around with us. You know, we're, we're almost at, no, we're almost at a hundred episodes now, you yeah, know, man. 78. Oh. That's, that's a lot closer to a hundred than, uh, you know, we were before. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, again, we appreciate all you listeners, everyone who's stuck around, uh, it, you know, everyone who, who's left feedback, even on our iTunes. I, I, I read that. I read it all the time. Um, but Dave, I'm, Oh, I just got a text notification and it appears that I've run out of things to say. Oh, we must've been in a group message. Cause I also got that message. I too have run out of things to say. All right, you guys, before the PWT cast, I've been scrump. And this is Stank. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here, friend of the show. Unfortunately, we've run out of things to say. And so, well, we must bid you adieu. So, until next time at the PWT's cast, goodbye and good night. Bang. Bang.